everyone. Welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for uh, joining me on yet another journey across the podcast airwaves. Truly appreciate it. You know, I get a chance to talk to a lot of trail runners. I haven't really spoken to a lot of through hikers as of late. And, you know, that is a whole entire community uh, outside or, or not outside, but connected to the trail running community that kind of speaks to a lot of people, I guess. There's a lot of hikers out here. So I'm talking today to probably one of the most decorated through hikers that you can find right now. You know, National Geographic Adventure of the Year, first woman to complete the triple crown of through hiking. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, she's got seven total FKT. She's an author of two memoirs. Uh, she's a professional speaker all across the board, just an amazing athlete altogether. Um, and I'm looking so forward to having a conversation with her and having you guys listen in because so much information in this, in this, uh, episode that I just kind of blew my mind. So please enjoy and welcome to the trail life, Heather Anderson. Help me turn the turn in. Well, help me get it right. I don't want to hurt nobody. Well, I don't want to fight. Well, offer me the peace of mind. And let me- well, originally, when we, when I started first emailing you about getting you on the show and talking about FKTs and fastest no time and, and the, the FKT podcast and you being a host. And then when you were telling me, yeah, I'm not so much the host anymore, but I started kind of looking at some of your resume with everything. And I was like, oh, this is a much better conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so much more to talk about with, with this conversation versus just talking about the FKT information, which we can get into a little bit. But I, I was I I had no idea that you were such a decorated through hiker, maybe. <laughs> I guess that's kind of the term that I can use. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I've got so many, so many questions for you, which is, which is great that you're on here and we could, we could chat about this. So yeah. Uh, once again, thank you for, for being on here. So first, before I get into your background and your backstory, I think there's a really cool thing with, with the through hiking community that I would love for you to kind of explain a little bit. And I, I've had a couple other people on here about through hiking. I never asked this question and I probably should have. And so this is one of the things that, that I've kind of always been curious about. So in the through hiking community, there are trail names. Mm-hmm. So yours is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it Anish or Anish? Anish. Okay. Yeah. Anish. So yeah. where does a, where does your trail name come from? And then B what, how do, how did the trail name thing even begin with, within the community? Cause I, I've heard some really cool ones over the, over the last couple of years talking to people. So how does, how does that all come together? I mean, I can tell you my understanding of where trail names came from. I don't know that this is authoritative. This is just how it was explained to me, <laughs> uh, but that it or originated on the Appalachian trail a long time ago, basically, you know, because there's so many people on the AT that inevitably there'd be people with the same name. So like, you know, there's a group of people hiking and there's like five mics. So to differentiate them, they each get some sort of nickname, you know, like 
Mike from Philadelphia or whatever, you know, and eventually this evolved into trail naming culture where now you completely have a new identity. That's just like something like pop tart or like, you know, (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of them out there, you know, and often they have to do with something stupid you did. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, unfortunately that's usually like, I gave a trail name to somebody once because he kept getting lost and, his trail name became Navigator uh, because he was always lost. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, there's just this, and it's the culture of trail names has evolved and spread now basically to every trail. But as far as I understand, it began on the AT. And I, I gave myself my trail name um, in 2003 when I was hiking my first long distance hike. It was the AT, uh, mainly because I started late um nowadays people start this time but back then nobody started in may northbound and i started the middle of may northbound and so i was like all by myself and so i gave myself my trail name and it was just something that was meaningful to me uh to honor part of my heritage um it's short for anishinaabe because my uh, great great grandmother was anishinaabe which is the native american um, peoples of the midwest and uh canada so um i gave myself my trail name because there was no one around to trail name me, number one. And number two, I didn't want to wait until there were people around to name me and get something really stupid. So <laughs> I wanted my name to be meaningful to myself. Yeah. Take, I do take have full, a trail name. Advantage. <laughs> yes. I do have a trail name that ha- was given to me by the trail community. And that's the ghost. And that was given to me on PCT in 2013. So some people do know me as the ghost. I don't really introduce myself that way, but it is like my, I have an alternate trail name <laughs> as well. I have two. So one that I gave myself and then one that the community gave me. Wow. (laughs) Where did, where did ghost come from? So the ghost came from, and this is also, again, like, I don't really know because I didn't know people were calling me this until I was off the trail basically. Um, But it was when I was studying my FKT on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2013. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I know because like I've been told this story later, but uh, so I'm pretty sure I know exactly who the guys were, but I was, I don't know, I was less than a week on the trail. So it was south of San Jacinto on the PCT and I ran into these two guys that were just out for a few days and basically I came like upon them and they we engaged in conversation and I don't even really remember what we talked about, but I think somewhere in the topic what I was doing came up and they offered me Gatorade, which I was very thirsty. And so like I chugged and I didn't want to carry the bottle. So like I chugged an entire thing of Gatorade and like gave the bottle back to them. (laughs) And then like, they were like, okay, blah, blah. blah. And then we parted ways. And apparently they expected to see me later that day. And they didn't, uh, all they saw were my foot tracks. And back then I was wearing ultras, which were, basically new on the market. I think they'd only been on the market for like two years at that point. So they were very distinctive. So they knew they were following me, but they never would see me. And so when they came off the trail, they were like posting on forums about this woman they met hiking and she was like the ghost. They started referring to me as the ghost. And so that, I guess, got picked up on the forums because nobody knew who I was. And people were referring to me on the forums as the ghost. I don't know, hundreds of hundreds of miles later up the trail, I ran into a hiker and he was like, are you the ghost? And I was like, I don't think so. I'm an ish. <laughs> like, <laughs> and um... then he was like, but are you trying to set the record? And I was like, yes. And he's like, so you're the ghost. And I'm like, 
okay, I guess so. So I didn't know the full story or where it came from until after I was off the trail, but I knew while I was on the trail, people were calling me the ghost, but I didn't really know why. Well, I mean, at least you got something cool like that. It could have, like you right. said, it, it could have been something completely <laughs> off kilter. <Yeah>. <laughs> so exactly. at least your, at least your secondary is something that's really cool and, and doesn't have right. a really weird <laughs> thing to it. Negative connotation to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, well, let, I want to kind of get your background a little bit and how you got in to doing some of this, like, wh- where are you? Are you, cause you're on the East coast now. Are you from the East coast originally? Are you? No, I'm from Michigan originally. That's where okay. I was born and raised. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I lived most of my adult life out in Washington state. Were you an athlete growing up and were you into the, cause most, most trail runners and ultra runners had some kind of background as far as cross country and getting into it. Um, in that regard, were you an, kind of an athlete growing up in your entire life? No. Or no? <laughs> No, 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 and no. Okay. <laughs> um, I was probably the most uncoordinated, unathletic child you will ever meet. Um, I was terrible at every sport. I hated running with a passion. Uh, yeah, if, if you ever read my book, Thirst, I do talk about a little bit about my history with athletics and my gym teacher. Um, but no, I and I had no background camping. Um, my family didn't go camping. I mean, their version of camping was at the KOA in our, in our pop-up trailer. Um, and the swimming pool. So like, I, I didn't have any background in hiking, running athletics or anything. When I was, uh, in college, my first summer after, or my first summer in college, I like, this is like 20 year old logic. Right. So like, I wanted to see the grand Canyon. So I got a job working at the grand Canyon for the summer, like cleaning hotel rooms. And so while I was there, I got invited to go hiking and I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. Like, I mean, I knew what hiking was, but I'd never done it. And that was the start. I went hiking and it was terrible and horrible. And I felt like I was going to die. And then I loved it and I haven't stopped since. (laughs) Well, well, that's, that's one way to get into it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Clean hotel rooms to take it on, taking your first high. I mean, Grand Canyon, I mean, that's, that's, if you're going to do your first one, that's, that's right in there. So it's a, yeah, it's a stunning place for sure to go hiking for that to be your first hiking experience. Yeah. So that was, you were in your really mid twenties when that kind of kicked off. Yeah. So I would have been 20 when I was at the Grand Canyon. And then I, I hiked the Appalachian trail Basically, I went from day hiking at the Grand Canyon to deciding I was going to hike the Appalachian trail mm-hmm. in like a matter of months. So when I graduated college in 2003, you know, I got my diploma and less than like the next, like I got my diploma and the next morning I was walking north from Springer Mountain. Like my two best friends from college drove me all night to Georgia after I got my diploma. Okay. Let's and unpack, I let's, walking. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's unpack that just for, just for a quick second. So you got <laughs> day hiking the Grand Canyon to being like, you know what? I'm going to just hike the, the Appalachian trail. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm an all in sort of person. Well, walk me through mentally on how that goes. And then like your inner conversation with yourself to be like, you know what? I, I hated it enough that I'm, that I want to try, try something a little bit longer. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, let's let's unpack that for a second. (laughs) Yeah. I will just preface all of this with like, there is no real logic to how I act. I am just like an all in sort of person. I'm like, this seems great. I'm going to do this. So, um, things that seemed very logical to me probably don't to anybody else, but basically part of why hiking at the Grand Canyon sucked so much is like the very first hike 
was um, it was 120 degrees in the canyon. Like obviously not at the top, but in the canyon, I was wearing, you know, cotton cutoff shorts and sandals from Walmart and had like a 20 ounce water bottle. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was also uh, on a lot of antibiotics because I actually had blood poisoning, like, like red lines up the leg, like the whole nine yards. Like I was not supposed to be doing anything, especially not doing anything in the sun. So there were a lot of factors that made it really awful. But after all of those things were resolved, I got used to being at the Canyon, et cetera. And I kept going out and hiking. And I, I did do two overnights at the Canyon where I hiked down and camped at the bottom. So I had slept outside in a campground. Uh, basically I just, I fell in love with it. It was just like, it felt perfect to me. And I had heard of the Appalachian trail prior. So yes, like having like these experiences and realizing what hiking was like, I mean, I didn't know about any other trails. I only knew about the Appalachian trail. Um, so I was just like, okay, well then I love this. And it seems like it would be great to do this for a few months. So yeah. I'm going to hike the AT when I graduate. And, um, so that was what I did. It was basically just like a decision I made after doing a bunch of day hikes in, in the Grand Canyon and just being like, I want to do more of this. Wow. So what, uh, getting ready to do the AT for the very first time, like, because you're, again, you're, you're only experienced in the day, in the day hikes. So what did you have, like, what did you learn about the first, first time you did Appalachian trail and doing the multi-day, you know, situation and stuff like, cause a, you talk about sleeping on the trail, right. I'm going to assume mm -hmm. you probably had to learn how to like, figure that out. There's the hygiene mm -hmm. aspect <laughs> of everything. Right. And then you got eating, like there's eating and, and all that stuff. So like walk me through that process, just, just a little bit and uh, like what you had to do to what you had to do or what you thought you had to do. I should say, probably say, mm -hmm. because you probably learned a lot on that first time yeah. going and doing it. Like, so what was that process like for you? It was a very steep learning curve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have to remember that this is also 2003 and yes, the internet existed, but it wasn't like it is today. There, you could, there was no just, iPhones like, that you could like, plug you, in everything. Yeah. There's no app. There was no Googling how yeah. to through hike. There was no looking at other people's gear lists. Like I had a book from the library that was published in like 1985 by National Geographic. So it was like all <laughs> dudes with like big external frame packs, you know, like this was like my, my knowledge of, of backpacking, uh, the AT. So, I mean, when I started out, you know, my pack was like 45 pounds. I had two weeks of food, which is basically just oatmeal and instant rice, like completely unflavored, just the plain stuff I had you know, I don't even know what I had in there. I know I didn't have a sleeping bag because I thought it was May in Georgia. So it would be warm, which oh. it is not warm in the mountains in May in Georgia. <laughs> uh, so it's like more that I remember what I didn't have than what I did have. I had a tent. I didn't know how to set it up. I didn't use it the first night, but the second night I needed my tent. And luckily there was this like guy there at the campsite and he helped me set my tent up because I had no idea how to set it up. So, you know, it was just like, all of these things and, and it literally is just starting from square one. Like I didn't know what yeah. I was doing. I just knew that I was following white blazes until I got to Katahdin and that I would be done and whatever happened along the way happened. So it was definitely, and I mean, I think part of it just being young and like 
willing to like have a, a, a learning mindset helped me a lot. I mean, I think a lot of people who have no experience complete the AT the first time they set out. I think a lot of it comes down to your your resiliency and your ability to adapt. And I had those qualities, yeah. you know, and so whatever happened, happened. And I just like learned yeah. and adjusted and changed well, along the way. It's kind of like it, it goes with everything. Ignorance is bliss, and in a, in a right? Sense, right? Because if you don't, if you don't really have the understanding of like, okay, I need to make sure I have this, this, and this, and I should be on this part of the trail during the day versus the evening time. Like, you really mm-hmm. just kind of go going blind and be like, hey, whatever. Like you said, like whatever hour it comes, you know, I just need to, yeah. I just need to get to point point A, right? And along the way, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. So how? How long did you, how long were you out there for your first time? Uh, Four months, exactly four months. Four months. Wow. Yeah. So very fast for back then. I remember people were like shocked because back then I think six months was pretty average. A lot of people do it less now, but. So you get done doing the AT kind of, where's your mindset, you know, kick off? Are you like, okay, now I've got that out of, out of my system. I need to go work. I need, or is it like, Hey, I'm, I want to do more of this. Cause again, we're talking 2003, you said, mm-hmm, yeah. Right. So there's a lot of things that are happening between 2003 and two thousand and 2023 now right. time period for, for you. So like, where are you getting ready? You know, as far as this goes, are you trying to figure out like, okay, I'm done. I've got, I've done my post-college thing. Now I, I got to move on to the, the, the grind, the nine to five grind, like how, like how are you progressing into your next, next phase? Like I said, I didn't know about any other trails when I started this hike. And I remember meeting a lot of people on the way, usually people that were out just for like the weekend or a shorter trip. And, you know, they were all like, Oh, it's so good. You're through hiking when you're young. Cause you know, once you have, you know, a mortgage and a family and a job, you won't be able to just drop mm-hmm. everything and go through hiking. And you know, I was just like, well, I never want to have those things because I love this. I don't care if I just walk back and forth on the AT forever, you know, like I just love this. I love being out here. And then I got somewhere in Virginia and I found out about the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide Trail. And I was just like, I mean, there's more trails like this. Like, (laughs) oh my God, like I'm definitely doing those. So yeah, I mean, I finished the AT and I was broke. So rationally, I knew I had to get a job and make some money, but my plan was only to make enough money to go hike the Pacific Crest Trail. And that was basically how I I went through my 20s or my early 20s was making enough money to hike the next trail Um, because that was my goal was to be on the trail. When you did the Pacific Crest, how, what was your timeframe between the, between Appalachian Trail and Pacific Crest? Was it? It was two years, two years between. Yeah. So I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2005 and then I did the Continental Divide Trail in 2006. And at that point in time, now, now iPhones and apps are kicking in. So I'm sure it's a Mm -hmm. little bit easier to, not that, not that they were too advanced, you know, for what it was, it was pretty, pretty basic as far as the iPhones go at that point in time, but there had to been a little bit of an easier way to navigate stuff at that, at that point in time with, with those two. Um, mm-hmm. I want to jump ahead to uh, <coughs> 2019 because I, I had no idea until I actually pulled up some information, the National Geographic Adventure of the Year. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause that, that is a, <laughs> that is a cool title to have. Like, and you, did you end up doing, I, I read a little tagline on national geographic. It was 
8,000 miles in one year. And you had at that point, again, 2019, I think it said something about 28,000 miles that you had, that you had through hiked up to that point. So like walk me through that and how, like what got you to that point? I guess I don't even, I didn't even know that there was such a, such a title or, or anything like that. So how do they go about establishing an adventure of the year? Well, to be completely honest, I have no idea. <laughs> I literally just got an email from them. You're being considered for the National Geographic Adventure of the Year. And would you be willing to give an interview? And I said, okay. And then I basically forgot about it. And then <laughs> like the day before they announced it, they're like, the article's coming out tomorrow about your award. And I was like, what award? <laughs> so um, it, titles and honors and things like that don't really mean anything to me. So like, I was just kind of like, all right, well, whatever. And, but I mean, it is cool. Like, it's very cool to have that. But it was also very, um, I don't know, there wasn't really like a lot of information or like yeah. lead up to it. It was just all of a sudden I was like, now you have this. And so it wasn't, yeah, there wasn't like a ceremony or anything like that. It was just, no, it was just, um, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, a, it was for my, what I had done in 2018, which was my, the calendar year triple crown. So basically in 2018, I hiked the entire Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail and Continental Divide Trail in an eight month period. Uh, I started March and finished early November. So Which, that was the feat that they chose me to be a National Geographic yeah. Adventure of the Year for. Which you be, which made you the first female to ever do that, which is awesome. But you're also mm -hmm. the first female to complete it three times. So it's a triple, triple crown. Yeah. As far right. as I know, I'm the only woman who's done the AT, PCT, and CBT all three times. And that, what was the separation between those, those three, those three times doing it? Was it year after year type of thing? Um, no. So, you know, I did the AT and 03, PCT and 05, CT and 06, and then there was a gap. And then I, I did PCT in 2013, the AT again in 2015 and the CDT in 2017. And then in 2018, I did all three. Yeah. So I want to what's the, what's the total time? So what was the total time you said you started in March, right? March. And I finished in November. It was 251 days. It was a long time. I was going to say, that's, that's, yeah, it's a lot of walking, right? So yeah. you started with, uh, which, which one did you start with first? Because it's all, it's all comes down to time of year, right. And what right. the weather, weather's like, so mm -hmm. where's, where's your starting point with, with that? So for that, I started on Springer Mountain on the AT in Georgia, okay. and I hiked all the way up to the border uh, between Vermont and New Hampshire. So okay. I, I hiked all the way through Vermont, and then I went out and did southern New Mexico on the CDT um, just because I had some time to kill before my PCT permit. Mm -hmm. started and then I hiked the entire PCT northbound went back and hiked and then I went to Montana and hiked south on the Continental Divide Trail basically all the way until October and then there are some things in northern um well in Maine on the AT that close in October mm -hmm. so I like Katahdin closes and then there's a river that doesn't have that you have to take a canoe across and that stops running on October 15th so basically I hiked until October and then I went back to the AT to Maine and hiked back to Vermont uh, so that I could do those things that close. And then I went back to Colorado and finished the Continental Divide Trail. So I finished wow. in kind of the middle of nowhere, but whatever. 
Mm. You finish. That's all that matters. It's the journey, not the destination. Exactly. Exactly. So what's the, so you're, God, that's a great way to spend a year just jumping around from part of the country to another part of the country and seeing it. So like, I guess mentally, how draining is that for you? I mean, a, cause you're, I mean, so two questions on that is one, are you at any given time? Are you with, uh, anybody during this? Are you doing a lot of this? I assume you're doing a lot of it by yourself, The two, there's gotta be a little bit of mental drain on that while you're doing it. And then what's, what's, what's the mentality shifting from, let's say Appalachian trail over to the continental divide. And then, okay, I got, I got, I can only do this section, but now I got to go over to Pacific Crest Trail. Like, where, mm-hmm. where does that fluctuate mentally with you and like being out there uh, also by yourself sometimes? Like, where do you, where does that stand? Yeah. So I actually had a lot of support on the calendar year Triple Crown, which was great. Um, I had friends and things like that that, I mean, I had one friend that came out and crewed me the entire northern part of the Appalachian Trail. Um, I had a partner at the time that hiked all the Pacific Crest Trail with me. And then they crewed me um, for like most of the Continental Divide Trail uh, when they could. I mean, that one's kind of hard because it's pretty remote. So it wasn't like I could see them all the time. So I definitely had a lot of support and and time with other people. I thought that it would be a very lonesome experience, but I actually had people around me almost all of the time. Um, There were obviously some sections where I was hiking all by myself and, and it was a little difficult mentally to to stop thinking of them in units like I think breaking the hikes up where I was skipping between them instead of like walking the whole AT and then walking the whole you know I think that actually helped because it made it seem more like one big journey one big hike instead of like three discrete hikes I I think if I just hiked the whole AT I'd be like great I did the whole AT but I didn't. So there was something left. So I had to go back to it. So it kind of made it feel like one long continuous journey instead of separate ones. Yeah. I can, I can see how that, that can help out because it's uh, almost like, you know, okay, I'm I'm finishing up here and now I have to go over to do this section and back over. Mm -hmm. Whereas I can see where you get done, you know, four months into it or three months into you finish it and you're like, okay, now what? Now I I have to prepare myself for, you know, Pacific Crest. And it it would Mm -hmm. definitely, I could see how that can kind of mentally just wear you down a little bit more that way. Um, Yeah. Talk about like, like, what do you, as far as like overnight stays and like how much camping is there? And do you end up along the way, there's areas where you can get into hotels and small little towns and everything else. Like what is your, like, and and this can go for the entire thing. Let's just say like, how often are you camping on your, on your trips versus Mm -hmm. getting a chance to stay and getting an actual like regular food and staying in hotels and stuff? Like where, where is that stood up? I generally camp every single night that I can. Uh, I don't. Assuming, assuming that you now know how to set up a tent. Right. Yes. I do now know how to set up a tent. Um, I'm actually quite proficient at setting up a tent and I prefer sleeping in my tent. Uh, so, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, like when I'm out backpacking, I'm out there to backpack. Like I'm not out there to like hang out in yeah. town. So, you know, I, I just like to be out hiking and camping as much as I can. And also, I mean, it helps save money. Like, 
you know, you don't spend a lot of money when you're in the woods, but when you're in town, you spend a lot of money. So the less time I spend in town, the less money I spend. Therefore, the longer I can be out hiking. So it's kind of a a hand in hand there. So usually I try to, I try to stay in, in town or at least get a shower or whatever, at least once a week. Um, Cause a lot of times you can like stay at a campground or just pay for a shower at a campground or something like that on these long trails. So um, but I, I'll go into town and eat a lot of food. Um, that's not backpacking food before I hike out. Cause I feel yeah. like I care about that more than sleeping indoors. Um, <laughs> I, I care about a shower, laundry and food far more than I do about sleeping in a bed. Like I like sleeping <laughs> in my tent. It's very comfortable. Um, so usually those are my goals when I get to town and, and then, you know, I'll hike out of town in the evening and, and just sleep in my tent. You talk about food, like what's your what's your regular, um, nutrition, like on, on your big, on your big hiking experiences? Like, are you, and then how, and then how much food are you packing as, as you go along? Because again, as you get into small little sections, as far as I, I assume doing research and being like, okay, I can get to point A to point B and there's, you know, campsite that's maybe got something where I can grab something to eat or a town where I can grow, restock some of my nutrition. Like what's, what is some of your nutrition situations as far as that goes with those? For me, the, the resupply strategy is actually a big part of my planning. Um, in large part, because I have a dietary restriction, like I'm gluten intolerant. And so I need to know that I'm going to be able to get the food that I need. And so a lot of the, the tiny little resorts or small towns that you would, you would, go into to buy your, your resupply or your food along these long distance trails may not have, you know, what I need. Uh, so a lot of times I, I send out boxes of food either beforehand or like when I do come to a supermarket on the trail, I'll purchase things there and mail it ahead. Uh, so I actually put a lot of, uh, thought and effort into that. I mean, most hikers don't, most hikers just eat whatever's there. You know, they eat Snickers and Pop-Tarts for three days, you know, whatever, like no big deal. But I actually have to put some thought into that. I also try to eat more nutritious. Definitely when I first started out, I didn't know. I just know I needed calories. So I like lived on Little Debbie's and peanut butter because they were cheap and they had a lot of calories. Um, But it wasn't very nutritious. And definitely as I moved into like FKTs and I started feeding myself better, like focusing on whole foods and dried fruit and things that were nutritious and taking supplements, I definitely noticed a huge improvement in like my body and how I felt and how I performed. So, you know, I tend to put a lot of emphasis on proper nutrition for myself when I'm out on these, these big trips. So I do put a lot of um, thing into that as far as how much I carry. I mean, it's sort of dictated by what's available on the trail. um, How often I can get to town or get to a box. I don't like to carry more than three days. Of food, I feel like beyond three days of food, it's really heavy. And then I hate my life. Uh, so I like to keep it at two to three days, but sometimes you just literally can't cover that distance comfortably yeah. in that period of time. But I try. <laughs> how much, like, as far as in this and goes with the nutrition side of things, like how much water are you also carrying at any given time too? Yeah. I mean, that also varies wildly depending on the trail and the water sources that are available time of year, you know, on the AT, you know, you can hike the whole AT and never carry more than like, you know, a liter of water or less, you know, cause there's a lot of water at certain times of the year. But then, you know, on the flip side, you know, when I was doing my Pacific Crest Trail FKT, 
I started in Southern California in the middle of June, well, not the middle, the 8th of June, I think. But it was like triple digit temperatures and the water sources were going dry. So I was literally carrying six liters of water. And so, you know, I definitely can carry anywhere from a liter to a gallon and a half. <laughs> you know, it just kind of depends <laughs> on like, you know, what's available out there. And I mean, that's, a, again, like looking ahead and, and seeing what sources are available and then also just knowing your own ability. Like I'm like for a hiker, I'm actually very oddly picky about my water. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't like drinking froze water. So I will literally carry a gallon of water if that's what I need to carry, you know, to get me to the next water source. So I don't have to drink the cow shit water. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I will do that. Um, and then I can just sit there and smugly watch everybody else drinking the crappy water. Um, but, <laughs> um, but again, that, that weighs a lot. So, you know, I have to like balance that out with, you know, how much food weight I'm carrying and things like that. So. Wow. Um, so you have got two, you're author of two books. One is, uh, your first one was thirst 2,600 mm -hmm. miles to home. And that was based okay. off of that one, which I actually just started listening to, by the way, on Audible. Oh, great. Um, great. I didn't know that they were on Audible until I, again, started looking into it a little bit further. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have started them a little earlier. But um, so that's based on your PCT uh, trail, right? That's my PCT FKT in 2013. Yeah. So as a, as a memoir, because I'm kind of curious with this, like, are you because you've got so much time on the trail itself, like, did you know going into it, like, Hey, this, you know, I want to write a book. I like, or were you into that mentality of, I want to get my adventure out there. I want my journey to be shared. So going into something like that, were you thinking that that was something you wanted to like, you know, journal the entire way, or is that just, it was one of those things like when you're out there by yourself or with you with, other people, right. You, you start, start talking about the most random stuff. And then all of a sudden an idea for a book or a business idea comes about, like, there's a lot of things that kind of start popping up in your brain. Like mm -hmm. where, where did that kind of find, you know, find its way into getting done? I've always wanted to be a writer uh, my entire life, but the idea of writing a book about my FKT, like was not on my radar. Like, I am a writer, like I always wrote, but like, that was just not something I was even thinking about. I mean, honestly, all I was thinking about was like putting one foot in front of the other, you know, yeah. you know, the FKT was all consuming. So I did in my earlier hikes, I always journaled, like usually with pen and paper, you know, I, I journaled every night. And then that was actually my first hike where I did not journal. There were a few times here and there where like, you know, like you said, you get this like thought or epiphany or something really great, or just something happens you want to write down. So I made a few notes along the way, but I didn't journal. Uh, there was no real intention. I, and when I got back from that hike, because it was such a, a monumental experience and so intense, like I actually journaled afterward, like immediately after I got home, I started journaling and like writing everything down that I could remember. Yeah. Uh, just because that was part of processing the experience for me and still without the intention of writing a book, but everybody was like, you need to write a book. And I was like, okay, maybe someday. And so, it, I mean, I did that hike in 2013 and thirst came out in 2019. So it took me a while to actually write the book, but yeah, eventually in, in 2000, I guess it was 2018, basically when I finally was just like, okay, I'm going to write this book. And I wrote the book and then, um, 
it did well. So that was when I was like, well, maybe people want to hear more about my adventures. So then I wrote my second book, um, which came out in 2021. Which, so the second one is Mud Rocks Blazes. Right. Letting, Letting go, go on the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail. Trail. Right. Yeah. So, so I wrote that about my 2015 Appalachian okay. Trail FKT. Wow. So, which I'm, again, I'm excited to listen to, to both of them. All right. Mm-hmm. Does that mean... Does that mean there's going to be one for the Continental Divide coming out to you then? Since you <laughs> since you read one on on both of those, there's got to be you got to fit the yeah. CDT and then there's <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the that's the common question. And so, like, uh, I started working on a book about my calendar year Triple Crown, so that does mm-hmm. include the CDT. Yeah. And then that kind of got put on the back burner because my publisher reached out to me and a fellow uh, hiker, Katie Gerber to co-author a guidebook, which is it's more of a prescriptive guide for like how to through hike, not yeah. about a specific trail. So that's actually my third book that came out last year and it's called Adventure Ready. Um, so it's not a memoir. So, but anyway, I had, I kind of dropped the, the memoir about my calendar triple crown and wrote that, uh, co-authored that with, with her. And so just this last, this winter, I picked up the calendar year triple crown book again. So I have a rough draft. I'm working on revising it right now, and then we'll, I'll be pitching it later this year. So, I mean, hopefully uh, it'll get picked up and published in the next year to 18 months. But it's not about the Continental Divide itself. It's about the calendar year triple crown. Right. So. so what is your next adventure that you've got planned out? Because let's see, and I and correct me if I'm wrong here, because we I tried to get you on the show last year. And I think mm-hmm. you were international, right? Weren't you over overseas somewhere doing something? Yeah. I spent 10 weeks backpacking around Scotland. And oh. then I, I had some work in Jealous. Europe as well. Jealous. Yeah. yeah. Oh it was God. amazing. It was amazing. What, what other international stuff have you done besides Scotland? Not actually a lot. You know, I've done a good bit of hiking in British Columbia, um, a little bit in Mexico. And then a few years ago, I spent six weeks in New Zealand. Um, I didn't do a long distance hike. I was mostly climbing peaks there. Um, but I did, I did that. I think that's kind of the extent of my international hiking. I've been to some other countries where I didn't hike, but, um, that's been kind of the extent of that. And then as far as like my next adventure, like I am not very good about planning things in advance. I, I have a few peaks I want to climb here in the U S this year, but my, my big plan for this year, and, and hopefully it, goes through because it's actually very logistically complex and expensive, but I'm planning to go hike in Greenland in August. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Outrunning the polar bears and Arctic boxes. I I get like with Greenland, I guess it's going to be cold there regardless of what, of what time of year you go. Right. Like August is like the warmest, at least during the daytime. As far as I know, I I mean, I think it's like in the sixties. I, I don't know. I plan to wear a lot of wool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, but the sun will be up most of the time. I don't think the sun really well, goes down much be. that yeah. time of year. I'm so say, I, it's probably going to be about 20 hours of sunshine probably at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I think like if you go mid August, usually they say that's when it starts getting below freezing at night. So it kills the bugs. Cause like, as with a lot of places above the Arctic circle, there's a ton of mosquitoes. Uh, and I don't know if they have midges, like, Scottish Highlands had midges, but, um, so basically I'm trying to go when it's still warm during the day, but the bugs are all dead because I hate bugs. Um, yeah. so aiming for mid August. So. Wow. What, 
I mean, I don't even I don't know anything about Greenland as far as their you know, their hiking or, or mountains or anything like that. Like what's what maybe you don't know this yet, but what what kind <laughs> of terrain? What kind of terrain do they even like what's their uh yeah, I don't actually know a lot either. I just I know that there is a I think it's about a hundred miles. It's called the Arctic Circle Trail. That's what I'm intending to do. Yeah. And so it goes from the ice cap to the sea on the west coast. And I know there's a bunch of other like hiking, like day hiking type of things that can be done. And and so I'm hoping I'm gonna that's essentially why I'm going is to do that hundred mile trail. But then I also want to take like there's a ferry that goes along the west coast and then there's several towns with hiking that i'm gonna i'm still planning it out i'm still looking into it um it's just getting there is complicated so right now i'm, I'm just trying to figure sure. out how to get there and yeah. then you will figure out what to do <laughs> once you yeah. get there are, so. are hikes like that more of a a group thing or how i mean it's got to be super difficult to do something like that as an individual yeah. I mean, I'm sure people do it as an individual. I managed to convince two of my friends to come with me. Um, wow, so, those are great friends. <laughs> yeah, they are, right? So hopefully they hopefully they actually do. <laughs> they <said> they were. <laughs> but as, as far as I know, no play tickets have been purchased. So um, but as of right now, <laughs> um, yeah. So um so I wanna I I, I wanna end the conversation on just a uh quick thing here like because i've got you on i figure i might as well ask these questions because who knows who knows if i it based on your schedule if i can never get you back on <laughs> you'd be out on in greenland for three months for all i know right so, yeah so i'm i'm quite curious as is anybody who's listening in on this and is interested in doing through hiking mm-hmm. are there like some of your like general tips right that people should know as far as getting into um into through hiking a little bit in a little bit more detail like if you're hey i'm I'm looking to go out and do the appalachian trail or parts mm-hmm. of it or whatever what are some of those things that you would recommend to people that are looking into it yeah um it's kind of a thing where we we almost have too much information i feel like because obviously the first thing you do is you Google it, like how to hike the Appalachian Trail and you're going to be inundated yeah. with information. And I think it's really easy to get hung up on doing it right. Uh, maybe not for everybody, but for people like me, for sure. Like, oh, I want to do this right. So you're trying to process all the information and you're going to get completely conflicting information because no individual is going to do it the same. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that applies to gear and to nutrition and to strategy and to style. Like, I mean, the reality is the that's a beautiful thing about through hiking. Like I said earlier, you don't necessarily have to have a lot of skills in backpacking to do it. You just have to have the desire to do it and the ability to roll with it because you can make an extremely detailed and elaborate plan. And within like hours or days of being on the trail, it's just going to go completely out the window. And so, I mean, going out as well prepared as you can, like practice hikes, you know, having gear that works for you, knowing how to set your tent up, you know, having a, a basic level of backpacking experience or hiking experience will will go a long ways toward making the, the journey more enjoyable. But just leaving yourself open for serendipity, like allowing the journey to unfold however it's going to unfold. I mean, I think that that's super uh, important. And obviously, if somebody wants a really like 
dedicated guide. Like I wrote one, so they can always pick that up. And, and that kind of covers everything from trip planning to nutrition. Um, if you are really looking for something like that, but I think that the, the main thing to keep in mind is this, this is an adventure. This is something not to be planned and to, to be stuck to with rigid ideas. It's something to go experience and enjoy. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Like you said, it's, it's about the journey more than anything else. And and things are going to, things are going to get off rails really fast anyway. Oh yeah. If you're doing it right. Everything's going to go off the rails. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, we, we this say, like, there's so many factors: the food, the water, the sleeping, the the going yeah. to the bathroom, whatever it is. Like, it's, yeah. there's going to be things that are all over the place. But yeah, have you have you noticed kind of noticed more people like into the hiking and getting out on the trails since since 2020? Mm-hmm. Have you kind of seen a big uptick in? when you've been out there, like between, like you said, like 2013, you did the AT, right. And then all of a sudden now, like you're going out and, and doing some other through high, smaller through hikes or whatever it is. Like, have you seen like a huge difference in how many people are out? I think in some areas for sure, there's a kind of a noticeable shift and not everywhere. Um, to be quite honest, like I just have seen steady growth in outdoor users, especially on these long distance trails since I started in 2003, like, you know, the first time I hiked the the PCT, I think there were 300 of us in 2005, uh, that through hiked it. And, you know, by the time I went back out there in 2013, I think there were like several thousand, you know, yeah. it's just been like, it's just been continued growth. And, and I think that that we're just going to continue to see that because people want to connect with the outdoors. People want, you know, people are, are missing that in their, in their day-to-day yeah. lives. Um, so every, you know, and I think 2020 was definitely a catalyst to getting a lot of people out the door that maybe wanted to, and never had the time to sort of thing. So, um, I, I just think we're going to continue to see steady growth in outdoor use and engagement. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that in the, in the trail racing aspect, and more and more people are just getting out there and wanting to see what the trails are all about, which is great mm-hmm. for the community as a whole. So it's, mm-hmm. um, I've always been kind of interested to see what the, what the growth is from a, from a PCT or AT trail and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to hear that. So, um, well, Heather, thank you so much. I really appreciate you jumping on and chatting about your experiences and your journey and everything else. And, um, what I will do is in the show notes, I will list the the two books where you can find them, um, your social media. So if people want to reach out and ask questions or whatever, um, they can, or just follow you, you know, follow your adventures all, all together. So I'll, I'll make sure that those all go in the notes for, for you. But again, I appreciate you taking some time for me. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you. Right. Trail Life Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Stoner. Music was provided by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this episode and the entire Trail Life podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast episodes. Thank you for the listen, and we'll see you out on the trails real soon.